Hi, and welcome to another uh, episode of our Acacia Covered podcast. I'm Brent Maycock here with my co-hosts, Mac Moore, Ricky Peterson, and Scott Pask. And uh, this is our bi-weekly uh, show that we do uh, highlighting uh, high school sports across Kansas and recapping what's going on and looking ahead to what's coming up. And a lot to get to today, so we're going to jump right in it and go back. Um, since our last podcast, we've conducted state championships in volleyball, and cross-country and soccer, and we'll take a look at uh, what transpired there and start with volleyball. And uh, I got to see Class 6A and Class 5A out in Salina and got to see some excellent volleyball there. Um, we uh, Washburn Rural was the favorite going into Class 6A, and, and it played out that they were uh, indeed the team to beat, and nobody could. And Washburn Rural really uh, kind of made up for last year when they went to state undefeated and got upset in the semifinals and ended up taking fourth. This year, there was no such uh, no such trouble. They rolled through their pool play in the semifinals. They just dominated Mill Valley, winning 25-9, 25-18. And that set up a rematch with Blue Valley in the championship match. They beat Blue Valley in pool play. Championship was a little tougher. Blue Valley came to play. A very senior-heavy squad came uh, came out and gave Rural a tough, uh, tough battle, led for parts of uh, – Parts of the first set and we're tight the whole way, but Rural ends up prevailing 25-21, 26-24, and finished the season 42-1. and uh, Just a tremendous season for Washburn Rural this year. Um, uh, Kevin Bordewick adds another title to his resume. I believe it's the seventh type state title overall and uh, had the state's best player on his team, Brooklyn DeLay, and she delivered. Um, a lot of very good players on that team, and they uh, they kind of left no doubt this year, and it was pretty uh, pretty entertaining to watch. So congratulations to Washburn Rural, the champions in 6A. Runner-up was Blue Valley. Uh, third place was Blue Valley North, who was last year's state champion. Uh, kind of had a tough tough break in, in pool play. They lost uh, their standout setter, uh, Janelle Green, Trent Green's daughter, um, to a concussion. She couldn't play on Saturday. But they still found a way to battle and uh, and took third with Mill Valley taking fourth. Um, so that was a great 6A tournament. And then in 5A, you had uh, the the match that everybody expected would be for the championship: uh, St. Thomas Aquinas versus St. James Academy. All season long, those two were the best uh, two teams in Class 5A, and everybody expected them to play for the finals, and they both. Both made it through their pool plays. Uh, St. James had a little tough time in pool play. They they lost uh, lost their first set of pool play to to Lansing, which was last year's state champion. But uh, they came back and won that one in three, and then swept Seaman and Mays South pretty easily to make it to the semifinals. Then in the semifinals, uh, both Aquinas and St. James got pushed to three games. Uh, Seaman pushed uh, Aquinas, taking the second set 25-19 before Aquinas comes back and gets the third set 25-9. And then St. James dropped its first set to Hutchinson in its semifinal match, 24-26, but came back and won the second one, 25-23, third one, 25-19, to set up the championship match. And then the championship match was everything you thought it would be. Uh, Aquinas and St. James just trading blows back and forth each other. Aquinas wins the first set, 25-22. St. James takes the second one, 25-22. And the third one, just a dandy of a match, 25-23, St. Thomas Aquinas wins it and gets uh, another state championship for that storied program. So, um, uh, you know, like I said, it, you know, everybody thought those two would be the two teams standing at the end, 
And that's how it played out. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas beating St. James Academy. Um, both teams fairly young. Aquinas uh, will lose senior Betsy Good now, but uh, returns a bunch of their players. And St. James was pretty much mostly underclassmen. So uh, expect those two teams to be back again next year. Um, taking third was Hutchinson and taking fourth for the second straight year was Seaman. So a really nice year for Hutchinson, uh, one of the best, if not the best, in school history for the for the Solvoks there as they finished third. And then Seaman, uh, back-to-back fourth place finishes. Then moved down to Class 4A and going into state, Andale was the only undefeated team in the, in the state tournament uh, going through the regular season undefeated. And then lo and behold, Dropped their very first match of pool play against Bishop Miege, 25-23, 25-21. Both those teams come out of their pool and end up making it back to play each other in the championship game after Andale beats uh, league rival Circle in the semifinals and Bishop Miege beats Lewisburg. And uh, Andale was looking to get revenge and win a second straight state title, but instead Bishop Miege uh, takes the victory, winning 25-22, 32-30 in a great uh, second game of that uh, of that championship match. So Bishop Miege back on top in volleyball. Uh, that's what that program does. All they do is win state championships. Uh, they hadn't won one for a couple of years, but uh, Lindsey Zeke, uh, who coached at Lansing and coached Lansing to the state championship last year in 5A, comes back to take over her alma mater and coaches uh, Miege to a championship uh, in Class 4A. So. Uh, Miege first, Andale second. Circle ends up taking third, beating Lewisburg in the fourth place match. So a great season uh, there in, in Class 4A. Uh, Andale just uh, just ran into a tough Bishop Miege squad on the weekend and saw their bid for a second straight title and perfect season come to an end. And then also in Hutchinson, uh, Class 3A, um, a little bit more of the same. Olathe Heritage Christian wins its third straight state title, second straight in Class 3A. Um, in the championship batch, they beat number one, Nemaha Central, uh, pretty handily, 25-16, 25-13. Um, Heritage Christian just uh, has a great uh, junior duo of Rachel Van Gorp and Cy Ray Campbell. So they're going to be a team to contend with, again, for the title next year. But uh, they really, they were they were unchallenged all weekend. Uh, didn't They gave up uh, 21 points to Riverton in one pool play match, uh, got pushed to 26-24 by Eureka after they had already clinched their pool play title. But then uh, in the semifinals, beat Cheney 25-18, 25-15, and then Cruz in the championship match against Nemaha Central. Uh, Nemaha Central finishes a great year, only two losses on the season for, for the Thunder, so a great showing by Nemaha Central. And Cheney ends up taking third, beating Riverton in three sets in the third-place match. So Alayda Heritage Christian won, Nemaha Central two, Cheney three and Riverton four in class three A. And then Ricky, you got to see uh, class two A and class one A division one out in Dodge City. Uh, tell us a little bit about your tournament. Yeah, and, and class two A, obviously a rematch of last year's final between uh, Hillsboro and Smith Center. And I tell you, Hillsboro was just locked in from the get go. I mean, you could tell that was a team that was not going to be denied. Uh, you know, kind of used last year's loss as a little bit of motivation, but they they just came out and really cruised. Uh, when when the final 25-12, 25-13 over Smith Center, uh, you know, and they, they lose some good pieces, but they'll also return some good pieces. So they'll be a team to look out for next year as well. 
you know, and Smith Center, obviously, you know, they lost a lot off last year. And I think if you would have told them before the season, they would have probably signed up for a second place finish considering all they lost last year. So, you know, another great, great season for Nick Lynn and his squad. Uh, you know, in the in the th- in the third place game, Jefferson County North defeats Inman 25-18-25-22. Um, yeah, so just a just a really good Class Two A tournament. And then in One A Division One, uh, you know, Little River Little River had had to work for it. I mean, they they played four three set matches out of the five they played, and then in the final. Uh, you know, really got tested by a good hit Flint Flint Hills team. Um, you know, Little River Cruise in the first set. Flint Hills came back and took the second set. And then Little River, they were just too much to handle third set. Really good, really good performance there by them. Um, then in the, in the third place match on that one, uh, Donovan West earns a 25-17, uh, 25-15 win over – over pretty Perry, but yeah, real quickly, Ricky, what about the, that Donovan West duo uh, for volleyball and cross country that weekend? Uh, were you able to catch any of their, of their flight patterns uh, as they tried to tried to go back and forth between, uh, between cross country and volleyball for state? Yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool story there between uh, Claire Cole and Bill Smith. Uh, they were qualified for state and Wamigo and and play on the volleyball team so they you know they were able to charter a plane to take to take them back and forth after the semifinal after the pool play on friday they went back flew back home and then right after right after cross country and Wamigo, they flew back and made it about 20 minutes before uh the semifinals and uh just kind of kind of a cool story i mean talk about talk about dual sport athletes i mean that kind of commitment is pretty incredible yeah, I agree. It's fun seeing uh, you know those small school kids that that try to double up and uh, and lend their talents to whatever program they can help out. Which in a small school, uh, most times, especially one A school, you need everybody you can get. And so uh, you know, really cool deal that they were able to work that out and and participate in in both those state events. And and Claire Cole uh, shows out well. I believe she was a state placer in cross country and then helps Donovan West to you know the program's best finish ever at a state tournament. So. Uh, really neat deal for those girls. And then Class 1A Division 2 was held in Emporia. And, uh, you know, pretty much all season we, we figured Lebo and Hanover would be the teams uh, really to kind of look out for. Hanover, a two-time defending champion in Division 2. Uh, Lebo, state runner-up last year in Division 2 and state runner-up the year before in Division 1. And sure enough, both of them just really dominated their way uh, through their pool plays. Neither one really challenged whatsoever. Uh, in pool play at all. Uh, I think Hanover was the only one that gave up more than 20 points in any set. Uh, most of them went in like 25-15. Hanover had a 25-9 victory. Lebo didn't give up more than 16 points in any of their pool play. And then, uh, you know, both make it through their semifinal matches and straight sets and set up a great uh, great championship match. And this time Lebo gets the upper hand over Hanover, taking a three-set victory. 25-13, 21-25, 25-23 in the final set. So just a great championship match in Class 1A Division II. Lebo finally gets over the hump and gets that program's first state title in volleyball. Um, and uh, Gina Peak's team drops one match all season, none to Acacia's ancient teams. Their only loss this year came to the NEK Nighthawks, a homeschooled team that's uh, got a pretty solid program as well. So 
an outstanding season for the Lebo Wolves, uh, Brooklyn Jones, uh, Sage Hadley, Audrey Peak, their their star players. So Lebo takes first, Hanover takes second, Attica takes third, and Beloit St. John's Tipton finishes fourth after Attica beats them in a three-set uh, match in the third-place match. So your state champions in volleyball this year, Washburn Rural in Class 6A, St. Thomas Aquinas in Class 5A, Bishop Miege in Class 4A, Olathe Heritage Christian in Class 3A, Hillsboro Class 2A, um, Little River Class 1A Division 1, and Lebo Class 1A Division 2. And also on the same weekend as state volleyball, we had state cross country and Back this year to uh, just a two-site format, uh, you know, COVID split us up for the past couple years, uh, breaking 6A and 5A out, 4A and 3A, staying at Wamigo, and 2-1A going to Victoria. Well, we were back at Rimrock this year, and I know, uh, you know, the, the service out there wasn't great as far as being able to tweet out results and photos and stuff back, but the competition up there was, was pretty awesome. And I bet you couldn't wait to get back to where you could uh, let everybody know what happened in, in Rimrock Farm. Yeah, I was uh, racing home. I, I live in, in Lawrence, so I uh, just had to jump on the, the highway and, and, and get back and, you know, get to where there's actual Wi-Fi. Uh, but started sending all that out because uh, pretty great results. And uh, Class 6A girls, you had a couple of uh, three-peats. Uh, Anjali Hawker-Singh of uh, Olathe North gets her third even after – uh, you know, she had an injury last at the end of last year, missed uh, the track season, wasn't able to get her two peats and and uh, a, a few events for track. But uh, she started uh, getting herself uh, back going, uh, started a little slow for cross country and, uh, you know, had a, for, probably for the first time had some races where she was you know, settling for second, you know, not too far down. She didn't move uh, too far down the list, but wasn't getting those first places and wasn't getting the time she normally did. Uh, but by the time state uh, came around, uh, Anjali did Anjali things and uh, found a way to beat a really tough field. Uh, in terms of the team race, uh, it was a late the West getting the, the three-peat again. Uh, as I've mentioned a, a few times throughout this season, they somehow keep, getting better and uh they'll have uh a couple seniors that led the way karis robinson and and Paige baker uh you know uh, that will graduate and move on but uh still have a, a a bunch of uh competitors who will come back and try to put together a four peat uh so that's a just a really talented team uh that was able to get it done karis robinson was uh ended up in third place uh, finishing behind Anjali and uh, Mullen from Shawnee Mission Northwest. But Harris Robinson, the best part, to get some photos of her crossing the finish line. And it's all smiles, which I don't understand. It's it's hard for me to imagine somebody finishing a grueling race like that and to be smiling as much as she was. But she wasn't uh, the only one, I believe, uh, Bree Newport, uh, also had a pretty big smile on her face when she crossed the finish line. Uh, so that Olathe the West team, very happy to to put that together in three state championships, a runner up the year before that uh, for a program that, you know, started in 2018. So they've already uh, brought home a lot of hardware in a very short time frame. Uh, for the other side, the boys race, uh, this was some first times uh, Wyatt Houghton, uh, Shawnee Mission East, 
gets his first state title, having to beat out uh, Mika Blomker of uh, Shawnee Mission North, who was the 6A champion last year, uh, was the one who was just always ahead of Wyatt. Wyatt had to finish second place uh, until, you know, you get started in this year. And it was Wyatt Houghton from start to finish uh, going in first place. And uh, it wasn't quite how he won the state title, uh, Blomker was actually leading pretty late into the race. And as, uh, they made it to the skyline, uh, White Houghton did what his coach, uh, Trisha Beam, uh, called, uh, the Wyatt or a Wyatt, which is just, uh, somehow after that race where everybody else is kind of running on empty, uh, he just took off down the stretch and got a pretty good distance on Blomker ends up cracking the 15 minute mark. Uh, and you know, crazy to, to, to watch in a, a amazing race between those two. So that was really exciting for, for class six, a, um, going down to, to class five, a, uh, you know, I guess I should have mentioned that five minute mark that set the course record, uh, for the boys race, uh, girls race state record also happens. Caitlin Rupi, uh, of Salina central ends up setting that one and, uh, she was just kind of in a race by herself. Once you start seeing her uh, moving along, uh, you know, I, I think she finished a full minute ahead of runner up uh, Grace Hansen of Piper, seventeen thirteen eighty four to to set that uh, mark there. I think the old record was uh, like seventeen thirty or it was. Hey, she, she beat it by a lot. Uh, it was it was not in question when when she crossed. Uh, the finish line there and St. James Academy ends up uh, winning the, the girls race uh, one that when you know the, the history of uh, Aquinas girls uh, being just like the boys and always winning uh, that was, you know, it could be a little bit of a surprise, but wasn't for the St. James runners. Uh, they had been coming in first all year and they just took care of business. Uh, Quinn Hayes ends up being the top runner for them uh, finishing in, in fourth place. Uh, really good team that got it done. And when you look at, you know, what they can do in the future, uh, not a lot of seniors on that squad, uh, a lot, a lot of sophomores, uh, a couple freshmen, uh, they should be able to, to come back and, and try to uh, string together maybe a few state titles uh, moving down to uh, the, or moving over to the boys race. Uh, that was where uh, there was a bit of a surprise uh, with the Aquinas boys uh, getting taken down uh, end of a uh, you know really long streak there for that team. That's eight straight state titles for the Saints. Uh, they weren't far away from making a nine. They finished runner up, but Blue Valley Southwest uh, had just enough runners to pull ahead and get that victory. Uh, they were led by a, a couple uh, juniors in uh, Micah Paskey and. Um, man, my head's already uh, forgetting the the second one there. But they 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 had quite a quite a team. They have a uh, a couple of uh, the Bueller brothers uh, that uh, are, are are pretty good, and that's the, they're the sons of the assistant coach. Uh, and you know that was just a very emotional moment for that whole group for uh, for Coach. Baloo for Coach Bueller, uh, they uh, were able to to pull that off, and you know they had won uh, previously uh, at 
at the the regional meet, but uh, they were still, you know, they couldn't be certain because it's very hard to to beat a Saints team that uh, had, you know, their lead runner Colby King ends up being the the five A boys champion. Also, uh, beat the old record of uh, Rimrock. Uh, so you know, just a lot of really fast times. And Colby King's a really great story because he started out. Uh, you know, some of these kids are, you know, winning state titles or runner up as freshmen. Uh, he was on the C team. Uh, he, he started his Aquinas career, wanted to play lacrosse and just kind of decided to take on cross country, see what he could do. Didn't make the varsity roster till his junior year. And, you know, uh, by the time he finishes his senior year, he owns uh, all of the top times in uh, Aquinas cross country history, which when you have eight straight state titles, that's some pretty good company for you to, to walk away with the best times ever considering the first two years of your career, uh, you were on JV and C team. So, uh, really cool stuff there in, uh, three, a, uh, you have, uh, Wichita Trinity boys, uh, they close that one out, uh, not just, being able to get a, another uh, state title. Uh, they believe they're the best uh, cross-country team in the state. And, you know, they finish up. They, they uh, I, I know Clay Shively, who ended up winning the boys' race, uh, he was happy. He got a time of 15.26.11, uh, but uh, he wanted to be where Wyatt Houghton was in that breaking that 15 minute mark. Uh, but they had the boys race a little bit later in the day, started getting a little bit hotter uh, and a little bit different conditions. Uh, they feel like in a one for one, uh, Clay Shively's right there with White Houghton as uh, one of the best runners in the state. And, you know, White Houghton's graduating, but uh, Clay Shively will be back. They will uh, definitely have a few great races in the spring, though, uh, for track. Both want to break that four minute mile. Uh, so that should be very exciting over on the girls side prairie views brie allen uh ends up winning it is uh the first uh state champion for uh prairie view since the the early 80s which uh it was actually uh the the state runner-up uh one of the stein sisters uh they were one and two uh back there in the the early 80s uh i think it was 83 84 and uh the the runner-up sister she she's currently the manhattan cross-country coach so she came up and got to congratulate brie allen and 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 Alan was very excited because she said, you know, she's been staring at those times up on the leaderboards for the Stein sisters for so long. So it's basically like meeting this idol and she had no idea that was going to happen after winning the state title. So really cool moment for her. And then uh, Southeast of uh, Celine, they end up getting uh, a, another state title, uh, win that one. And another team that has so uh, many returners that I, uh, you can imagine that they can keep that run going. And uh, I know they were a little uh, overall, that program is a little disappointed. The boys had to finish uh, in uh, third place in the, the, the boys race, but uh, really great program all around. And I know uh, both the boys and the girls will be back next year, hoping to uh, do what they've been doing, which is both win the state title in the uh, same year. So, uh, 
rim rock uh, up and down, 6A, 5A, 3A, uh, just a lot of really uh, great performances and uh, a lot of runners that uh, we know will be back next year making some more noise. Yeah, Mac and over in Winfield, and, and again, or not Winfield, excuse me, Wamigo, the, the hills of Wamigo. It had been so long since I've been to Wamigo and I forgot where I went. But uh, um, Wamigo Country Club was was the site of a lot of really good individual stories, I think, as far as the, the champions that, that emerged from, from classes 4A, 2A, and 1A. And, and in the team competition, uh, just starting with the 4A boys, uh, the host Wamigo Red Raiders, uh, Kind of finally broke the hex of the Bueller Crusaders in Class 4A. Bueller had won the last four team titles in in 4A boys, and and uh, the and Wamigo was able to 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 wrestle that away with a 48 to 56 margin. Uh, Brady Stegman and, and Harrison Cutting both had had top five finishes for Wamigo to to uh, give them their first title in in a, in a decade, and and. Uh, uh, I think everybody knew Wamigo and Bueller were going to be probably the contenders for that title. And, and uh, credit to Bueller because you know Bueller lost an outstanding runner last year in Tanner Lindahl, and uh, who graduated and uh, was really young this year, but still uh, you know proved to be a, a worthy ch- contender for the for that 4A boys title and and, and pushed Wamigo and and uh, you know Wamigo had to had to had to deliver with its with its top four and five guys and, and they all did and and so. Uh, congratulations to the Red Raiders getting the team title. The, the individual race for 4A boys, uh, just a good story for Tonganoxy senior Eli Gilmore. Uh, Eli has been kind of running in the shadows of guys like Lindahl and, and Augustus Sawyer-Smith and, and Hayden's Tanner Newkirk and uh, even ran against Michael Blomker when, when Blomker was at Miege and, and uh, uh, finished in the top five all four years. But finally on, on that Saturday, uh, October 29th, Eli finally got his first title and, and just – uh, was really grateful. I mean, it was, it was, he was, you, you could tell he had been on a long journey to get there. He, he had, he tasted that title. He wanted that title and, and he was able to go out and get it uh, uh, in the 4A boys race. So that was, uh, you know, just on a, on a perfect day to run, he, he delivered and, and got his first title as a senior. So a real good story there in 4A boys and, and uh, over in 4A girls, uh, Eudora, um, you know, just they, they've got a great one-two punch right now with Sydney Owens and Hannah Keltner, and those two, uh, those two delivered in a big way for for Eudora, and, and the Cardinals were able able to defend their 4A girls title. Um, you know, they held off, you know, they won pretty comfortably actually over Frontier League rival Baldwin uh, by 33 points, and and uh, so Eudora's both, you know, Owens and Keltner are both underclassmen, so uh, Eudora's in the middle of one of those dynasty phases. Coach Jim Barnard just kind of had this sheepish grin on his face, just knowing that, uh, you know, here's a small school with two really good front runners uh, on their, t- on the, on his team at one time. And, and uh, you know, he's really soaking that in and, and, uh, you know, look for big things for Eudora, uh, you know, moving forward again with those girls back to lead the way. Um, and then in the individual race, uh, you know, Haley Trotter from Clearwater, who's kind of emerged at, uh, as the, the top runner in 4A and the senior uh, successfully defended her 4A individual title. Um, it was interesting talking to her because Wamigo well, isn't exactly the course that she would probably pick to be her favorite. And she's run up there now seven, seven times in her career. And, and uh, you can kind of tell there's, I, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a love and hate, love, hate relationship, but, but it's definitely uh, maybe not, not her favorite track, but she was able to, to, uh, uh, you know, deliver her second straight title um, in 4A and, and 
really just kind of springs springs it will springboard the Nebraska commit into her her final track season. You know where she she won a couple titles at the state track meet last year, and and uh, uh, so she gets first. Uh, Owens and and Keltner from Eudora get second, second and third, and then uh, you know the the girl who had been pushing Trotter a little bit this year, Circle freshman Breck Jacobson, uh, had run some really good times this year and, and was with. Uh, Trotter for the first part of the race, but they ran late in the day, like you mentioned, Mac. The, the later in the day, it got a little warmer, and and Jacobson had some troubles and had to, had to drop out of that race. But but Brett is a is a runner that for Circle down here in in South Central Kansas that'll be one to watch uh, in the future. Uh, dropping down to the two A boys, uh, Barine Academy had won a, a couple titles, finished second last year, and they get back on top uh, in two A with Zach Briscoe and and Andrew Harder. Uh, leading the way there, Briscoe, uh, relative newcomer to the team, but a, but a senior, and he he gets the job done uh, with a fourth place finish uh, to lead the way for the Warriors. And Brian's just got a solid program every year, and and uh, they were able to to uh, you know pretty comfortably win over over Mead, which was last year's one A champion, and Mead had moved up to to two A this year, and and uh, Brian wins that uh, by thirty two points uh, in the boys' individual race. Uh, back-to-back champions or back-to-back championships for for Stanton County senior Cameron Golub. He he ran a real good tactical race. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, had had some guys on his heels, but but really did a good job of just keeping them at bay and and had to kind of fight the elements because it was getting warm. You know, for for late October, that that final race of the day there at Wamego was uh, uh, was a warm one. But he's able to to hold off. Uh, Logan Keith by five seconds to, to win that race. So back-to-back titles uh, for him. And, and Stanton County, of course, is a traditionally great program, boys and girls. And and they've got one of the best in the girls' side in, in Chesney Peterson. And and the senior won her third uh, third state title uh, at Wamigo. And actually her first at Wamigo, but her third overall. And, and uh, it was really interesting to talk to her. Chesney's, you know, Chesney's just won whenever she races, you expect her to win. And she's she's got just a massive winning streak going. I'm not sure exactly what it is, counting track and cross country, but it's been a long time since she's been beaten. But talking to her, um, you know, she ended up about 10 seconds off the course record, certainly was capable of making a run at that. But she was really satisfied because she had had a real rough uh, freshman run at Wamigo in her first state cross country meet, uh, started blacking out toward the end and faded all the way to 41st. 41st place then and and uh, I didn't really know the whole backstory but it was really neat to kind of hear her talk about how winning that that final race at Wamigo as a senior kind of uh, gave her a little vindication for what had happened as a freshman because she was really expecting to to contend for the victory way back then so three years um, you know three three years removed from that she's able to to go and and atone for that and uh you know, congratulations to her. Just a great runner, a three-time cross-country champion, and on her way to Tennessee, she signed her letter of intent yesterday. And um, so, kind of looking forward to what she's got in store for her final track season uh, this spring. In uh, one A boys, uh, the Quinter Bulldogs come through, and and uh, they'd been up there near the top uh, all year, and and was it, and you know put together a whopping score of thirty points to to win. Um, uh, the one a boys title they beat uh, boy st john's and and uh, regional rival nest city um, you know with that uh, or in that in that race and and uh, got three medalists in hans deaton elliot churchwell who ran as a freshman and 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 micah simon so a good a good day for the bulldogs there to 
to get get that title after coming real close here in recent years and and uh, another just a, another good individual story in the 1A boys race with the Ingle senior Brendan Ellis. Uh, Brendan gets his first state championship and and really uh, was a photographer's dream coming down the stretch. I mean, he he was really excited, raised his arms and was yelling and gave great emotion as he as he approached that finish line and and uh, Brendan picked a great time to run his personal best. He ran 1650, cracked 17 minutes for the first time in his in his career and and uh, you know, was just just very very excited to do it and and really kind of connected with the, his community. Ingles isn't a school that has produced a lot of state champions either, you know, either individually or on the state level and he knows that that what he did is is one of those things that'll be remembered in Ingles for a while. And so it was kind of cool to to you know, even just spending five minutes with him to kind of get his perspective on that, uh, and then in the one A girls, uh, you know, another great champion in Golden Plains Junior Emma Weiner and Emma, uh, of course, won the title uh, last year and discovered she had a broken leg right after you know shortly after the race. She had been running that race uh, with a broken leg, and and uh, so her story is well documented. But she she looked as healthy as as could be. Uh, ran that first race of the day at Wamigo and and uh, just delivered a great performance. She, she you know pretty much was was by herself down the stretch and and uh, uh, very happy for her to go back to back. She was you know she was very excited. Uh, won by thirty seconds over uh, Wichita Classicals Haley Walden, who's a who's one to watch. There's there were some really good freshmen in the in the two three and four spots in one A girls. Uh, but Emma, you know, as a junior, she, she can come back and, and have a chance at a three-peat and, and uh, just an outstanding runner in the small classes. And, uh, you know, finally, the team title uh, in 1A girls went to South Gray, which was kind of an interesting story in that, you know, South Gray only had one runner last year. So uh, they really had to, to kind of scan the hallways and the track team and, and, and craft a team. And, and uh, you know, it was an immediate success this year. And, and uh, on that Saturday, Kylie Stapleton and – and Gwen Jantz both finished up in the in the top ten and and led South Gray to its first girls title. So it's it's interesting on like you said on that one A level when when you've got to have those athletes that uh, that you got to get them out a lot of times just to fill the team and and that was the case with South Gray this year and and uh, it paid off in a, in a title uh, on the team side. So you know just. Uh, Shout out to Mother Nature for delivering on State Cross Country Day. That was uh, you know you never know what you're going to get in late October, and it was really good day to run. And and as a uh, you know consequently, there were a lot of great performances. So um, you know that kind of puts a wrap on on uh, uh, State Cross Country. Switching over to soccer, where where the weather was not so kind, but uh, uh, you know you um, here it's here at six a. Um, in Wichita, where I'm at, uh, Mill Valley ends up winning that one, two to one over Olathe West, and and uh, Olathe West had ended Dodge City's undefeated season uh, the, a day earlier uh, by beating beating Dodge City three to two, and and uh, that was a game that was those games on Friday in in Wichita were moved inside at the Striker Complex, so just a you know, I, I can become a big fan of indoor soccer after going out there for a little bit that Friday because it was it was just cold outside. It was it was uh, Arctic cold, and but inside you've got that spacious facility, and and uh, uh, you know Olathe West jumped on Dodge City in that semifinal with two goals in the first two, ten minutes, and you know it kind of felt to me like I was at an old Wichita Wings indoor soccer game. I mean the, the scoring was just happening, uh, you know, rapid fire, and, and Dodge City was able to tie it late in the first half, but but uh, Olathe West 
got the go-ahead goal, went ahead, and, and uh, after a scoreless second half, got to the semifinal against Mill Valley, which or into the final against Mill Valley, which had had held off Washburn Rural one to nothing. And uh, but Mill Valley, uh, you know, they they just delivered uh, in in the final and had a had an outstanding season uh, themselves with just one loss. And and uh, you know, Saturday was a lot better day uh, in Wichita, and and definitely a, a good day for Mill Valley in six A. So. Um, that's 6A, Brent. I know at 5A you saw uh, May South finally break through and, and give the Wichita area a state championship team. What Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, you uh, you had had a chance to see them earlier in the season, and, uh, you know, they were one of those teams that was undefeated, like Dodge City going into the into the state tournament. And uh, But they had their, their own hill to climb. Uh, you know, they, they in the semifinals they faced St. Thomas Aquinas, which is – uh, arguably the most historic soccer program in Kansas with a countless number of state titles to their credit. And uh, May South gets the victory in that semifinal. And uh, in the other semifinal, Blue Valley Southwest uh, prevails um, and makes it to the championship game to face May South. And the, those two teams had played each other three times in the state championship match in the last four years. And Blue Valley Southwest had beaten May South. Each of those uh, – each of those three times of the first year, uh, it was a 6 nothing Southwest win. The next time uh, in 2019, it was a 6-1 win. And then last year in the championship match, uh, Southwest only only beats May South 3-2. So you can see the Mavericks kind of starting to, to close the gap a little bit. And then uh, in Saturday's uh, championship game, uh, they didn't they did more than close the gap. They completely flipped the script on Blue Valley Southwest. Uh Southwest had some pressure early, um, got a couple clean shots on goal, nothing, no, no serious big time saves early. But then May South broke through. Uh, Vitor Garamel uh, could make the case for the state's best player this year. Um, certainly showed it. He banged home a, a goal that they got May South, and you could just see their confidence level rise up. And then with 22 seconds left in the first half. Uh, Gavin Papasek gets on goal, puts a shot on. The, the Southwest keeper comes out, makes a sliding attempt, tries to corral it. It doesn't. Papasek takes the rebound, knocks it in for a huge goal. I mean, anytime you can go up 2-0 in soccer, it's big. If you can go up 2-0 in a championship match, especially in a in a last-second type, uh, type situation, I mean, it just seemed to give May South all the momentum and really seemed to kind of suck some of the life out of Blue Valley Southwest. They just really weren't the same team in the second half. May South comes out and gets a third goal early in the half. Alvaro Cazeta Jr. gets that goal. And then uh, May South just kind of kind of plays defense the rest of the way. Actually has a couple more good scoring opportunities, but really just limits uh, Blue Valley Southwest's chances. And May South caps an undefeated 21-0 season uh, with a 3-0 championship over, over Blue Valley Southwest. Uh, first title for May South in their history. So tremendous season by Ray Ramirez and, and his squad. And, you know, that's a program, like I said, it's been, it's been climbing and been on the rise and, you know, been a long time since the ABCTL had won a, won a state title. Uh, I believe Salina South was the last team from the ABCTL, the last team from Wichita metro area to win would have been uh, Wichita Northwest in like 2011. So, um, you know, they, they, they've, and they made no bones about it. They they know that in Class Five A they've been kind of 
kind of play and catch up with the, the KC Metro teams, whether it be Aquinas or Blue Valley Southwest or St. James Academy or Miege when they were in 5A. And so, um, you know, they, they, they were open about the fact that, hey, we just have to raise our level of play. And, and uh, I, think, I think the Wichita area has. I, you know, May South, their toughest game really of the season was in the quarterfinals when they had to beat Andover in triple overtime just to get into the semifinals. And so that speaks to how much uh, the competition down there has improved. And when, when your competition improves, that makes a program improve. And it was able to push May South to the title in Class 5A this year. And, you know, we went into Saturday with all three of tw- the 2021 state champions alive and, and going for repeat titles. And we come out with only one of them actually accomplishing the feat. And, Mac, you saw that uh, that one happen over in Class 4A in DeSoto. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Miege gets uh, not only the, the repeat, but uh, the seven-peat, which uh, I think, you know, uh, you listen to enough people, you'll hear the the idea that uh, it's no surprise. And, you, you know, you're, you're right. And then also this was a, a team that uh, was basically in a rebuilding year. They – uh, had about four uh, returners, four key players uh, from last year's team. Everybody else, uh, you know, had graduated. And, you know, uh, of those returning, you have senior Xander uh, Christian. Uh, he had uh, started his uh, Stags career as a forward and, you know, slowly but surely starts getting moved to the midfield. And then they ask him of his senior year, would you like to play defense for the first time in your soccer career? And uh, he took it on. He took the center back role uh, next to Austin Lopez, who also had uh, played midfield uh, last year, but uh, moved to center back. But uh, he was a little bit more comfortable with it. It's what he plays in, in club uh, play. So uh, they put those two back there. They try to build that, defense uh, uh, around their two most experienced players and it ends up uh it takes a little while but it pays off for Miege this year they started 0 and 3 and you know by the end of the year they're beating top teams heading into the postseason uh they they make it through into to state and they uh, the defense is what uh was key for them uh shutouts in the final two games including this 2-0 victory over Baldwin which uh had made it to its first uh state title game <coughs> made it back to state for the first time since 2013 and uh you know it's a really good team uh they 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 played uh the stags uh really well it was just uh in the you know midway through the the first half there was just a couple openings where the stags really took advantage uh one where it looked like baldwin was about ready to get their offense going but uh just a really great play uh from uh wyatt gar uh he ends up uh just getting a block tackle to to get the ball uh sophomore midfielder grant uh Bill Mayer uh, ends up kicking it ahead to, to Cooper Green and uh, with just one defender in front of him, Cooper Green makes a move to get rid of him, uh, does a little fake shot to uh, get the, the Baldwin goalie, uh, Caden Engel, uh, just off balance and then gets it behind him, gets that 1-0 lead and then, uh, you know, maybe 
six minutes of play later, uh, they got themselves in position again with a, a corner kick that uh, ends up uh, ricocheting off a, a few Stags players uh, before it was uh, Belmere again. Uh, instead of just getting the assist, he gets the, the goal uh, to, to put him up 2-0. And from there, you know, uh, I think uh, the, the Stags are really good at... Uh, keeping teams off balance when they have that lead and, and knowing how to, to finish game strong. And uh, I'm not sure Baldwin had too many shots on goal uh, down the stretch to even try to cut into that lead. And, uh, you know, Miege ends up holding on, gets that uh, 2-0 victory and seventh straight state title, uh, you know, 11th uh, in the team history. And, you know, when you add that in with the, uh, the, the six straight for the, the, girls team with uh coach Nate Hoopy uh you know it, that is a pretty crazy feat that they've had uh in those boys and girls soccer programs over the last 7 years and i mean a lot of people will say well they they win everything but i mean before that it's not like they just had uh you know every state title uh i think it's the combo of Nate coaching with his dad Joe uh, you basically have two, uh, you know, Hall of Fame level head coaches on the sideline there, and it's made that program uh, year in and year out just extremely tough team, difficult for for teams to knock off in the postseason. Uh, that's how they end up getting to seven straight. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to add a little bit about more about six A. Uh, you know, another uh, last year came down to a golden goal. Olathe West scored it uh, to beat Washburn Rural in, in extra time. And this year, uh, you know, Olathe West was on the other end of it because Mill Valley had just had a really tremendous goal by uh, senior Nico Pendleton uh, with about 12 minutes left, just delivered a beauty of a corner kick that bended right into the back of the net. So, uh, you know, Mill Valley's, Mill Valley's first state title. Uh, you know, Nico, Nico Pendleton kind of has kind of a cool story, just – you know, a really talented kid out of the the Sporting KC Academy. Uh, you know, wasn't wasn't sure about going out. Uh, you know, he hadn't played high school soccer before. But then when his senior year came around, uh, you know, him and his dad talked about it, and they just wanted him to have the full high school experience and get a chance to represent the Jaguars. So I think you know he was really it really ended up being a really cool good decision for him because uh you know kind of a storybook ending for for them and their 15 senior senior class uh so uh you know and then Olathe the west you know obviously another tremendous season for them you know they've only been a program for six years and they've in that time they've had two state titles and a runner-up finish so uh you know just incredible what they've done in such a short time uh, and then, like Scott mentioned, Dodge City, uh, you know, they had to bounce back from their first lo- loss. But in, in the third place game, uh, you know, we're able to end it on a strong note on a late goal from Erwin Macias over Washburn Rules. So a, g- a good a good cap to a strong year for them, too. Yeah, so your state champions in soccer, in 6A, you have Mill Valley, 5A, Mays South, 4A, Bishop Miege. And all that championship uh, coverage, Kate covered was there. Uh, you can go to our website and find stories on every single state champion from every single one of those uh, sites and events. Uh, great coverage by by all of us, all of our guys and our, our stringers that helped us out for that chaotic weekend of state volleyball and cross country. Um, 
Stephen Coleman helps us out in class uh, class 1A Division two. Brad Hollier helps us out class 4A, 3A down in Hutchinson. So thanks to those guys. And, again, you can find uh, coverage on all those state tournaments at TakeshaCovered.com. And uh, now we've got some state coming up uh, pretty soon here. Uh, we'll have one more state championship decided before our next podcast in two weeks, and that'll be Unified Bowling, which takes place this coming Monday out at Gage Bowl in Topeka. And uh, this will be the second year for Unified Bowling, and we uh, we just had regionals this past week, and our regional champions were Garden City, Kansas City Piper, and Olathe East. Uh, those are the three teams that uh, won their regionals. Uh, uh, several more have qualified for state. Uh, that Olathe East regional was a really good one where you had three schools where with scores over 900 in, in their format. And Mac, tell us a little bit just about Unified Bowling for people that don't know what exactly unified bowling is you had a chance to go to last year's uh last year's state tournament and uh it seemed like it was a pretty cool experience for you yeah i unified bowling being a, a sport that uh you know works in in conjunction with the special olympics and uh you have uh you know uh students with disabilities that uh, end up being partnered up uh with uh, other students that some of them are, have a lot of bowling experience, uh, others, you know, they just, uh, you know, want to participate, be part of the school. And, and, and it ends up being a really great, uh, experience for, uh, these individuals that, uh, most of which would not otherwise, uh, you know, have, uh, that spotlight, be able to, to have a, a sport like this. And, you know, uh, it, we've seen a lot of positivity, a lot of smiles uh, during these events, and and it started to grow. We've added teams, uh, you know, this this second year, and uh, you know, even something like uh, Alatha East being the uh, one of the regional winners. Uh, that's two years in a row. Uh, except that uh, that team, most of that is new uh, competitors uh, on the team. Uh, they actually were not winning a bunch of tournaments this year. Uh, they just came and uh, had a really great day at regionals and ended up getting that second in a row. And, you know, I asked the head coach, Amy Hill, uh, you know, did you guys go out and try to, uh, you know, recruit some 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 good bowlers after you had uh, some good bowlers graduate? And she's like, no, no, we didn't need to because everybody heard about it. They they really liked what we were doing. And, you know, uh we end up having a really good crew that came out uh, this second year. And, you know, it was basically, it did its own advertising. They didn't need to go out and start telling people about unified bowling. Uh, Cause it was such a, a great event uh, through that first year uh, that people started to hear about it and people really liked what was going on. So uh, it's it been exciting to see uh, these athletes go out for this second year and, and compete. And uh, it'll be really fun to, to see how they do here at this uh, second uh, state uh, tournament that they'll they'll have uh, here this next week because uh, should be sh- should be a lot of smiles and a, a lot of really good bowling action. Yeah, we're now up to thirty nine schools that have uh, unified bowling now and across the state, and so we're seeing a spike in the in participation in this uh, in this sport. And uh, I'll get a chance to cover them on on Monday and get my first uh, my first taste of unified bowling. So. Uh, we look forward to seeing what what happens at this year's state tournament and watching this sport uh, the sport grow and uh, and become one that uh, really attracts participants from across the state and then the last of the fall sports that'll host their state title will be football and 
that's still a couple of weeks away, and we'll have a podcast uh, leading into the state football championships. Uh, but uh, this week we got the state quarterfinals going on, and uh, and we will preview every single one of those state quarterfinals. Uh, they'll be up on our website later this afternoon. And uh, you got some great uh, great matchups across the state, and we'll just kind of real quickly go through each class and and kind of just. Uh, Tell, tell a little bit about uh, who's playing, who's left playing, and what uh, what we can expect. And in, in Class 6A, Mac, you know, the east side of the Class 6A bracket, uh, I think we've got some some new blood there and some faces that we maybe uh, didn't expect to necessarily be in this spot at this point. Yeah, I mean, the uh, I, I think the one returner for, uh, to, to this round from last year, Blue Valley West, they're five and five heading into a game with Gardner Edgerton. Uh, they end up knocking off, uh, Olathe North, uh, this last week, 28, 14. And that was, I mean, I, I think for the pretty much at the beginning of the season, that was the front runner to, to make it out of the East side of the bracket was the Eagles. And, you know, uh, that's why we love high school football because, uh, you know, a, a team that can get on a run, put it together and, and, and take their best shot against the top teams. Uh, sometimes they can pull out that victory and uh, really uh, change the look of the east side of the bracket. Uh, and then uh, a couple teams that, you know, it, it's surprising because they hadn't been there, but uh, teams that put together really great seasons. Uh, Aletha West uh, is heading into this one eight and two after a 42 to 20 victory over Blue Valley. Uh, Aletha Northwest uh, making it to the state quarterfinals for uh, the first time. They had to go up uh, against a tough Aletha South team. I actually went out to to that game and got to watch, uh, you know, Aletha South's uh, Megatron, Jordan Allen, put up three touchdowns in the first half, but uh, was not enough because Aletha Northwest, uh, they had their own uh, running back duo that uh, – Eric Butler uh, used to play for Olathe South. Uh, he was on the team as a, a freshman and a sophomore uh, before transferring to Olathe Northwest. Uh, a lot of friends over there, but uh, you know, he, he said if uh, Jordan Allen's Megatron, then uh, he's Optimus Prime, and his buddy in the backfield, Max Keller, is Bumblebee. Uh, and they looked uh, they looked like they were taking down some Decepticons out there. They they are a very talented backfield and they have, uh, you know, a, a lot of good players on both sides of the ball. They end up getting that victory for under first year head coach, Lauren Clark. So, uh, that one might be the biggest surprise, but I mean, they've been playing really great football here down the stretch. So that'll late the West, late the Northwest matchup should be pretty fun. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll Gardner Edgerton, uh, look like a, a great team. They're, two biggest losses uh, were against uh, Latham North and Mill Valley. So you can't really hold that against them. Uh, really good team as well. So it'll be very interesting to see who can make it out of the East bracket. Uh, Cause I, I know whoever they end up facing from the, the, the West side in the state title games going to be pretty difficult. Cause that side of the bracket's pretty stacked. Yeah. The West is uh, indeed stacked. And right now, you know, Manhattan's the only team in six, a left unbeaten and, and the Indians have really, Played a great schedule this year and, and handled it. You know, they they started the season with a, a what everybody kind of thought was a shocker at the time when they knocked off Derby in overtime. But all Manhattan has done is back that thing up and uh, really had a great year, ten and zero. They beat Wichita East last week, forty eight to twenty, and now they get Wichita Northwest, who they just played a couple weeks ago uh, in Manhattan, and it was a fourteen fourteen game before Manhattan turned it on and ends up winning that one 56-28 going away 
Um, you know, Northwest has a the the most uh, explosive offense in Class 6A, and maybe the state, uh, you know, highest scoring team in, in 11 man football, and all always seems to be setting some kind of records uh, one way or another. But uh, you know, they're going to have to really put it together to uh, beat this Manhattan team, which. Uh, you know, they, they've got a very stout defense and they've got a very heady quarterback in Keenan Sharts, who is son of Joe Sharts, the head coach. And, you know, the numbers don't blow you away, but they just they just find a way to get it done week in and week out. And uh, Manhattan's had, having one of those great seasons. And so that'll be a that'll be a great, uh, a great uh, game because we as we see it in the in the playoffs, uh, sometimes rematches go a lot different than the first meeting. And so it'll be interesting to see how this rematch goes. And then the other game on the west side will have Washburn Rural coming off another uh, impressive win. Uh, they they played two whack teams and beaten Dodge and Garden to get to this point, and now they'll face Derby. And you know, I think after Derby lost to Manhattan, people were like, "Well, what's wrong with Derby?" And Dylan Edwards wasn't putting up those just video game type numbers that he's been putting up the past few years. Well, it's playoff time, and uh, Derby's here. They put up 69 points in the first round and 76 points up on Lawrence last week in the in the second round. And so uh, I think Derby has uh, found its stride here coming into the postseason, and uh, they're, they're going to be a tough out, uh, if, especially if we get another rematch of Derby-Manhattan. That should be a, a great game to uh, to see if that, uh, if that takes place. But Manhattan's going to have to get by a tough Wichita Northwest team and Derby's going to face a pretty good defense in Washburn Rural, led by Ty Weber. So that's how the West 6A bracket shapes up. And 5A out West, Scott, uh, you got some uh, had a few, few maybe minor surprises down your way last week. Yeah, it's a you know 5A's last year really had just a loaded Western half, and and I think I think now you know it, it maybe top to bottom isn't isn't you know maybe as as quality as, you, as it was last year, but. But uh, right now, you know, Mays is kind of the the team to beat, and on the on the western side of five A, they have just absolutely rolled through, uh, you know, through their through their ten games so far. And they and you talk about one of those rematches; they get one against Hutchinson here on on Friday night at Mays, and and a few weeks ago, Mays won that one forty one to thirteen. And uh, you know, Hutch's Hutch's defense otherwise this season has played really well, but but uh, you know, Mays scores forty one. That was a season low for Mays, so that. You know, you just have some teams down here that can really score. They just prolific offenses, and of course, Mays has has Avery Johnson, the, the Kansas State quarterback or Kansas State commit at quarterback, and and but but several you know weapons in the you know four really good wideouts. Uh, Bryce Cahoon is going to Syracuse, and and Bryson Hayes, a speedy sophomore who's really burst onto the scene, and then uh, you know they've got a running game with Deshaun Carter. So Mays just has has all their bases covered offensively, and their defense has improved. It's uh, you know, it, um, I, I still kind of question whether it's totally championship caliber. That you know, until they get into a, a you know a game where where maybe against a Mill Valley who has a traditional uh, traditionally strong defense, that's maybe that's when we'll we'll get our true answer. But but Hutch will give them a good test on Friday and on that other half. Uh, uh, of the West, uh, Salina Central will travel to Hayes, and and uh, you know I had a chance to see Central a few a uh, few weeks ago, and and uh, you know that's a that's a really good offensive team, and I think uh, I'm real that 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 game is one of the, these on the on the West side that I'm really intrigued to see, um, you know just I, I don't know if if the Mustangs can hold up defensively against Hayes, that'll be you know maybe my one concern for them, but uh, uh, you know anyway. 
if the seeds play out, we're heading toward a, a, a maze Hay semifinal, which they played last year in the playoffs. And, and that was a great matchup. And, uh, you know, but I, I certainly think Hutchinson and Salina Central have something to say about that here on the Western side. Um, and then, you know, there is the reigning champions up in Mill Valley, Mac, and, and, and they've got, they've got Pittsburgh. What, what do you see going on up East? Well, I mean, you, you've seen Mill Valley do what Mill Valley does, uh, just a really tough defense, and uh, they have more than enough scoring to, to make up for it. Of course, uh, they're going to go up against a Pittsburgh team that uh, has a pretty good defense, uh, 28-0 against Sumner Academy last week. And, I mean, that's a team that uh, Sumner Academy had Antonio Harrison go off for 400 rushing yards, seven touchdowns the, the week before uh, against Topeka West. And Pittsburgh holds them to negative rushing yards uh, in that game. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see if that Mill Valley uh, attack that, I mean, their one loss is against an Olathe North team uh, they, that, uh, you know, used its defense, uh, rode them in the fourth quarter, a couple pick sixes to get uh, some, some scores to win. We'll see if Pittsburgh can try to uh, match that Mill Valley offense with a really stout defense. Uh, on the other uh, side of the East bracket, Blue Valley Southwest versus DeSoto. Uh, Blue Valley Southwest is a team that uh, is taking its lumps because it plays in the, the EKL, facing a lot of 6A contenders. Uh, so uh, they, they enter the postseason with a, a losing record, but they're up to 5-5 to five and five now, get a 56-20 win over Emporia last week. Uh, they're hoping that Dylan Dunn, at quarterback, uh, uh, kid who's just a junior and still has a multiple uh just great seasons at a quarterback for them so uh, you know he's he's a guy that can definitely take care of business in the postseason going up against a DeSoto team that uh, I think you know I wouldn't have imagined they'd be nine and one after graduating uh the Schultz brothers and uh see what they have but they uh have put together a pretty solid rushing attack uh with Atley Edenfield and and Dylan Whittington they both uh, you know, capable of putting over a hundred yards, uh, you know, in the, in the same game. So, uh, it'll be very interesting to, to see that kind of difference in attack, a, a pass heavy, uh, Timberwolves attack versus the Wildcats running attack. Uh, I'll, I'll be out there at that game and I'm excited to, to see who can get that win. And, uh, you know, just because Mill Valley is the front runner doesn't mean, uh, it's going to be easy for them to walk through still three really good teams on that East side of the bracket with them. Yeah. in class four, a Mac, uh, it's Kansas city Piper versus the privates, uh, on the East side. And, uh, you know, Piper had a great, uh, great victory last week to, to get to this round. Yeah. The, uh, that group right there, I think we all kind of, we, we don't have to pretend like we didn't think that those uh, three private schools would be here at this point. Uh, I think really it was uh, Piper, Piper making it that uh, might have surprised a, a few people, them having to go through a previously undefeated Chanute team. And it wasn't easy. Uh, two overtimes. Uh, but Piper ends up pulling it out 48, 47. So, uh, it won't just be, can you beat me age? It's like, what do you got left after a really tough game, uh, against Chanute the, the, the week before it, uh, you know, you don't want to come in tired at all against a Bishop me offense, uh, that they sling the ball around, they move fast. They want to score fast. 
and it'll be interesting to to see if they can try to to match them here in this week. And you know, on the other side, uh, you know, uh, what we're gonna keep running into a potential. It's like, oh, this is a state championship matchup. We're gonna see it. I don't know, sectional round or earlier. Uh, that's gonna happen a lot if these three teams are uh, in four A. Uh, St. James Academy versus Aquinas. Uh, this is one that you know. Uh, you, when you have those three, it was kind of a triple threat where they keep knocking off each other. Aquinas got the victory over Miege. Miege got the victory over St. James Academy. St. James Academy coming into this one uh, with that victory over Aquinas. Uh, they, they're the two-time reigning state champs. And, you know, it's, a, it's very similar to how I described that Blue Valley Southwest and uh, DeSoto game. St. James Academy, they throw, throw, throw. Uh, they probably depend on that even uh, more than they did in previous years. Uh, most of the rushing attack comes from senior quarterback Blake Boydston uh, running and scrambling and, and picking up yards. And then uh, Aquinas, I don't know if they throw. Uh, occasionally they do, and it's worked out for Aiden Skinner to uh, get a few touchdowns, but uh, they're all about running. They, when they were down to Miege by uh, multiple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, they came back and beat Miege by running the ball. So expect that a lot with Sean Carroll uh, in the backfield for the Saints, and they have uh, three other running backs behind him who will uh, get the job done as well. So uh, be very interesting to to see how that ends up playing out. Will it be the the offensive attack uh, or the air attack of uh, St. James Academy getting that win again, or will Aquinas this time be able to to roll? To, to run through them and, and get themselves into the uh, semifinals should be uh, interesting to, to watch this Friday. Yeah, it will be for sure. And on the West side, uh, you got undefeated Wamigo uh, cruising right along. Uh, their defense has been outstanding uh, all season long. Their offense, uh, you know, they lost all state quarterback, Caden Oviat right before the season to a, to a broken foot and, um, Knocked him out. Uh, he's back, but uh, in his place, Colin Donahue stepped up and had a really great uh, season throwing the ball, a uh, couple big targets, and Chase Cottam and Hagen Johnson have, have had uh, great seasons catching the ball from them. And so, uh, but Oviat's back now, and last week he ran for 200-plus yards, had a 99-yard touchdown run that kind of went viral on, the, on social media with him busting through defenders and running over and running around and and uh, he kind of gives them another dimension on that offense. Uh, you know, a state champion wrestler who's just physical and and uh, can can do a little bit of everything. So, but uh, in Andover Central, you know, they're facing a team that maybe is a little bit of a sleeper here on the West Side. You know, they went only five and three during the regular season, but Andover Central last year they were in the state championship game two years ago. They beat Wamigo. Uh, on their way to the to get to the title game, or maybe that was even last year. That might have been last year that they did that. So uh, Scott Andover Central, uh, a team that Guamico uh, is definitely going to have to be aware of. Yeah, they've done a lot of rebuilding this year at, at Andover Central. I mean, they lost a great senior class last year with Ashton Barkdale and Kai Coons, and uh, you know that team. That team went up to Wamigo and and just delivered a, a big blow to the Red Raider. I mean, they they had them down forty one nothing at halftime, and and uh, I don't I don't really foresee that being the case this year. It's still a good team, uh, and you know they're they're battle tested down here playing in the in the Arc Valley Chisholm Trail. Uh, you know that game definitely intrigues me. I I I, I think it'll be maybe a, maybe a game that's maybe more about Wamigo, and I'm just kind of curious to see how the Red Raiders you know 
faced with this chance for uh, another opportunity to play Andover Central. Uh, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a mental hurdle they have to get through. But but from what I've heard, it's a it's a very physical team, and and uh, um, you know that that's that's a, an outcome I'll definitely be following Friday night, just because I'm I'd like to see if Wamigo you know can elevate themselves to 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 getting over that, you know, if, if there is a mental hurdle, getting getting past Andover Central. Then um, the other quarterfinal down here in the West is is a rematch with uh, McPherson and, and Circle, a couple of Bark Valley Chisholm Trail Division three teams. And and uh, McPherson has kind of held the upper hand. A lot of teams held the upper hand on Circle. Circle's, uh, you know, as I've documented a couple times on Keisha Cover, they, they, you know, they had a really tough 10-year run. I mean, a 10 really, really rough seasons. And Coach Logan Clothier has pulled them out of that. Uh, they went six and four last year, and and they're eight and two this year. Uh, these eight wins—that's the most wins they've had as a program since 1980. So it's a it's one of those uh, years in Tawanda that the that the the citizens are going to remember this team for sure because they're doing things that haven't been done, uh, you know, in over 40 years. So uh, Circle still got, you know, it's it's got its own mental hurdle to clear with McPherson. McPherson has dominated them. Uh, I think. They've won the last seven meetings here since 2016 uh, by an average of over 40 points. But, uh, you know, Circle does have some potential. Cooper Chadwell has been, been really good at quarterback in his first season as a starter. Uh, Ty Smith is a, uh, just a great wide receiver and defensive back. He, you know, he's taken – he's gone up to KU for – I mean, he's that caliber. He's, he's got, got Division One colleges, you know, knocking on his door, inviting him to come up for a ball game. So, uh, Ty's a really good player. And, and uh, so I think, you know, Again, the rematch factors at work here. It's really tough, I think, to beat a team twice. McPherson is, has has got a lot of studs, though. Hunter Albert, a quarterback, and Jaden Gum, and, and Dawson Gottwald in the backfield. Uh, and, and they're trying to get, you know, they're, they're trying to make a run that they haven't been able to, you know, they've, they've run into some, some roadblocks at this, like the semifinal round in past years, too. So two teams that are really trying to, to get to the next level, and, and I kind of look forward to that one here in 4A as well. Yeah, moving down to Class 3A, you know, we have uh, Andell and the, and the rest. And, uh, you know, Andell just keeps doing what they do. They have the second longest winning streak in the nation right now. Um, and, uh, you know, they just keep on rolling. But, you know, this week's matchup is kind of intriguing. Uh, they, they're going to face an offense that that really can go out and put points up on people in Rock Creek. They've got the state's leading passer and Dalton Whitworth. Um, and and uh, when Heston kind of shut that passing game down a little bit last week, it was Jaden Winan stepping up in the running game, and he had over 200 yards and a couple big touchdowns that got Rock Creek going, and, and uh, Rock Creek beats Heston 21-11 last week after being down 11 nothing, and so, uh, you know, that was a little bit surprising. Uh, I, thought, uh, I thought Rock Creek might go out and handle that one, especially with Heston being kind of a passing team as well. I thought that might be one of those uh, – 55 38 type of games but uh it was more of a defensive battle and some tough conditions uh and uh so we'll see if rock creek has has something to uh to give andel this week which uh nobody's really been able to do uh, andel just looks great um and uh you know they're on their on their path towards trying to win another state championship and then on the bottom side of that bracket Maybe the surprise of, of the state last week in Clay Center, um, knocking off Wichita Collegiate, not only beating Collegiate, but really taking it to the Spartans, beating them 35 to nothing. I think everybody had kind of thought maybe it was a Collegiate Andale collision course at some point in the playoffs after they had met in the regular season. Uh, okay, we'll see this game again in the playoffs. But uh, 
Clay Center goes down to Collegiate and just hands it to the Spartans, uh, winning 35 to nothing. And so um, a great game by the, the Tigers there. They they just used their running game and overpowered Collegiate and really shut down Collegiate quarterback uh, Wesley Fair in that game. And, Scott, they'll face a Cheney team that's kind of a veteran team uh, and have a big win last week. Yeah, yeah. Cheney's been – you know they did. They had to replace a lot of pieces last year after after making it deep into the playoffs and losing to Southeast of Saline. But but it seems like Shelby Werman has done just a good job of of, of getting the next guy up and it, out there. And and they've got a really good sophomore quarterback in Josh Burdick, who's who is uh, kind of carried on. You know maybe not to the level Harrison both did uh, the All Stater who graduated last year. But but Josh has had a really good first season as a starter, throwing a lot of touchdown passes. Uh, He's got Jack Voth, a junior wide receiver, who was was Harrison's uh, top target last year, and and uh, those two have hooked up quite a bit this year. So a really really good passing game, uh, and Cheney that that uh, is going up to Clay Center, and like you said, Clay Center really I think was one of the one of the, su- the surprises of last uh, of last week, and uh, but but uh, that that'll be an interesting contrast because Clay Center obviously did a real good job of playing keep away from Collegiate with its ground game. Uh, Cheney will like to throw it a little bit more. And so there's, there's going to be a contrast of styles at, at Clay Center here on Friday. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then, uh, you know, the winner of that one will get the, the Andale uh, Rock Creek winner, uh, you know, next week in the semifinals. A uh, little different. You know, there there's some really good records, uh, you know, for three of the four teams on, on the east side. And, and uh, I think probably maybe an intriguing one, uh, Brent, uh, going on in Girard uh, on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was at this game last year when they met in the playoffs, and it was pretty similar, except uh, Holton came in and defeated, Gerard came in and defeated, and uh, it was really uh, Holton's defense in that game that just completely took Gerard out of anything they wanted to do. They forced four turnovers in the first half, uh, held Gerard to like 123 yards in the game, and Holton ended up blowing out Gerard last year in this game. Uh, but now Gerard gets payback and uh, a shot at payback at least and uh, and gets it on their home field. And we'll see how it goes this year. Holton has one loss. They lost their season opener to Class 2A number one, Nemaha Central, but has, has really dominated people every, ever since and had a, a very impressive victory when they beat uh, Hayden in the regular season, really controlled that game from start to finish. And, and uh, you know, Holton will come, come in with their ground game. They don't pass the ball hardly ever, but – they will run it at you, run it at you, run it at you in that bar to bone, and uh, they've been effective in, in doing that. And so, um, you know, it'll it'll be a it'll be an interesting game. Gerard's had another really good season, had to replace some key players off last year's team, but Luke Nigaman, a quarterback, and some of the other uh, outstanding players, Alex Coaster in the back in the backfield. Um, we'll see if, if Gerard learned anything from last year's game to uh, to make things better on their end in, in this year's contest, and then. Also on the east, uh, Hayden knocks off Wellsville last week. Wellsville was undefeated going that game. Hayden uh, gets down 13-0 early but comes back. It's a big kickoff return from Finn Dunshee, a touchdown run from Dunshee, and then uh, scores the game winner in the second half on a J.C. Cummings touchdown run to win 22-19, and then Wellsville's bid for an undefeated season. And then uh, Hayden will be going southeast as well, so both Holton and Hayden going southeast, and Hayden will take on a Columbus team that Mac uh, turned the tables on Galena last week. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think this is probably not a, a very uh, clear 
upset. I think, you know, when you have teams like this that are familiar with each other and, and, and head into a, a game like this, uh, you can, you know, you can kind of throw the records uh, out the window. Uh, but a, a, you know, a seven and two Galena team versus a four and five Columbus team. And, uh, you know, Columbus was just able to uh, match uh, Galena score for score and, and then uh, pull ahead in the in the fourth quarter to, to get that 21-14 victory. Uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if after Columbus gets such a big victory over the Bulldogs, uh, will they be able to, to you know, uh, keep that going, keep that momentum uh, going up against a really tough Hayden team? Because uh, we know it's, it's very difficult for that not to feel kind of like your Super Bowl win, uh, getting that uh, upset victory there against a rival. But uh, still a, a really good Columbus team that, uh, it'll be interesting to to see what they have left in the the tank as they move on here. Yeah, moving down to Class Two A, you know we had uh, three state champions from a year ago get knocked out this past week uh, in the second round. Blue Valley Northwest lost in Six A, and then in Two A, uh, two time defending champion Rossville uh, gets taken out by Nemaha Central, which wasn't really a surprise. You know, Nemaha Central has been ranked number one uh, most of the season. They're 10-0 right now and really have run roughshod uh, over their schedule after that tough, tough win over Holton in week one. And Rossville, you know, played a brutal schedule. Had had just – they played Holton. They played Hayden. They played, you know, the regular Mid-East League schedule. So Rossville had a tough schedule, went into that game 5-4, uh, and four, and, and Nemaha Central pretty much controlled the game start to finish. Uh, finals 36-13 with Rossville getting a touchdown on the last play of the game of that one. So Nemo Central um, looking really good at 10-0, and, and really the winner of this game looks good. Uh, the last three years they've played each other in the playoffs, and whoever's won that game has gone on to win the state title. Um, Rossville also beat uh, Nemo Central a, a few years back when Tucker Horak was running the show and on their way to a state title. So Usually, if you win the Nemaha Central Rossville game, uh, it sets up pretty well for you to win the state title. Um, Nemaha Central this week gets Humboldt, which, uh, like other teams, avenged a regular season loss with its win over Osage City last week. Uh, the Cubs lost to Osage in the regular season by by about twelve points. Uh, come out and get up twenty six to seven in the first half uh, last week in the playoffs. Osage City comes back, but only gets within a touchdown, and, and Humboldt pulls out a 26-21 win. Uh, Trey Summer, over 200 yards in that game, and he's really having a, a very good senior season. Uh, stepped in and played quarterback last week after being their tailback most of the year, but their starting quarterback was out, and they just put it on Trey Summer's shoulders, and he delivers that upset. So we'll have Nemo Central against Humboldt. And then also on the east side of the bracket, we'll have uh, – Sabetha, which gave uh, gave Nemaha a pretty good test in the in the final regular season game, led them seven nothing before uh, Nemaha comes back to win that one twenty four seven. Sabetha beats Riley County for the second time this year uh, to move to eight and two, and they'll take on Caney Valley, which uh, ended Council Grove's really their breakthrough season. You know, Council Grove had won its first playoff game ever in program history uh, the week before. Um, then they went down to Caney Valley, but Caney Valley's defense really dominated that game, held held Council Grove under 100 yards in the contest, and they went a low-scoring 16-3 slugfest. So you got Caney Valley versus Sabetha, Humboldt versus Nemaha Central on the east, and then on the west side, uh, you get uh, Southeast Saline, um, 
kind of like Nemaha. They've looked really good all season. They've been number two right behind Nemaha. They're the only other undefeated uh, team, them and Kingman and, and Nemaha, the undefeated teams left. Southeast Saline beat Chaparral 50-14 to 14 last week, and they'll get a perennial – uh, you know, playoff contender in Hoisington. Hoisington was runner-up to to uh, Rossville two years ago for the state title, losing by seven points in that game. They're back. They beat a Russell team that was having its best year it's had in years. So Hoisington comes in eight and two. Southeast Saline ten and zero. Luke Gebhardt having a great year for Southeast Saline. And then we get a rematch of last year's playoff game and the other one with uh, Kingman and Beloit and Scott. Uh, I think you're going to maybe be heading up to that game, uh, bring back some memories of, of your own playing days in high school, uh, making that trip uh, north to Beloit. But that, that should be a great contest. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about back in the days of leather helmets and no face masks back when I played uh, my, my high school career at Augusta. ended in Beloit, Kansas in a, in a 16-14 to 14, uh, 4A quarterfinal loss. But uh, anyway, Kingman will try to do a little better in the quarterfinals than, than, our, than my Orioles fared. And, and, you know, Kingman last year uh, got to the state semifinals, the deepest run since 1972. And, and uh, you know, so certainly that was a novelty that last year. And But they have brought a lot of those pieces back this year. And, and uh, you know, led by quarterback Nolan Friend. And, and uh, you know, they've, they've been sitting in, in that number three spot in, in Class 2A behind Nemaha Central and then um, uh, southeast of Saline and, and uh, you know, have been dominated defensively. I think they're giving up under a touchdown a game. Uh, Avery Albright's a great athlete for Kingman. Uh, you know, and you could say, yeah, Southeast and Kingman might be on a collision course, but Kingman does have to to get past, uh, uh, you know, they're looking to avenge a loss to Beloit that ended their season last year in the state semifinals. They lost 22-19, and they're going back up there again to, to, to face the Trojans. And, and so, uh, you know, the opportunity's there. And, uh, uh, you know, I really think if, if the seeds hold, uh, you know, Kingman and, and Southeast of Saline, that would just be a, a sensational semifinal. But, but again, they both, both teams have to get past some teams that, that they have, you know, they have good history and good recent history. And, and so um, I don't think you just pencil in the unbeatens at this point in 2A. Yeah, and Beloit, uh, you know, they're a team kind of like Holton. They're going to run, 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 run. And, and uh, you know, last year was Benson Burt carrying the load for Beloit. He got hurt in the Kingman game in the semifinals last year uh, and took him a while to get back. He missed the first four games uh, this season. Um, and But in his place, Logan Aerosmith has stepped up and just had a monster season for uh for Beloit, uh, get closing in on 2,000 yards rushing, and and uh, Grady Seifert, their offensive lineman, is as good as there is in the state. And so uh, Beloit will definitely be a tough out. They lost their first two games of the season, lost to Ellsworth, and then lost to Southeast Saline. But they've been uh, on a on a pretty good roll since then. So that should be an outstanding game up in Beloit, Kansas, on on Friday night. And then moving down to 1A. Um, we got uh, some intriguing matchups. We got the Battle of the St. Mary's. We got St. Mary's, the high school, which is a public high school, and St. Mary's Colgan in Pittsburgh. And uh, St. Mary's will be traveling down to Colgan to play uh, to play Colgan. And you know these are two teams that have been in Class Two A for the past few years, and uh, and both dropped down to One A. And when they both dropped down, I think a lot of people thought, hey, both these teams have chance of of really contending for a state title, and it's kind of played out that way. Uh, St. Mary's only losses have come to Rock Creek and uh, and to Silver Lake. They beat Rossville at the start of the season that ended Rossville's 26 game winning streak, and then uh, and then Colgan. Their only loss came 
very early in the season to Girard, which is undefeated in 3A. And so um, I think that should be a dandy of a game. Uh, some of the luster off it a little bit. Uh, Colgan in its win over Jayhawk win, Lynn last week. Lost starting quarterback Tucker Harrell and lost one of their top uh, defensive players. And, and Connor Van Beesler both suffered uh, broken collarbones in the game. So they'll be without both of those guys for that playoff game. But Cooper Simmons has really carried the load for that offense this year. And and Colgan's still going to be a very tough, uh, tough out uh, for a St. Mary's team coming off a very impressive performance. They win 26-0 over over Troy last week and just completely shut down Troy's passing game. Troy could do nothing through the air. Uh, Reagan Hartman had been averaging about 220 yards a game, and and I think he threw for about 102, 70 of it coming in the fourth quarter. So uh, St. Mary's, Keller Hurla, uh, he's more than just a basketball player, folks. He's a heck of a quarterback as well, and so that should be a dandy contest. And then the other so- contest on the East is just one of those really good r- rivalries that takes place in the in the playoffs. Every year it seems like Opie and Centralia – find a way of playing each other in the playoffs and uh, and kind of like Rossville, Nemaha Central, usually it bodes well for the winner. Uh, Olpe's gotten them the past, uh, past couple times and uh, gone on to win two state championships the past two years and and uh, Centralia beat them the year before that and won a state title uh, that season. So uh, I think they played three or four times with, with whoever won that game going on to win the state title. And, uh, you know, it, there's a shot at that this year. Centralia is the only undefeated team left in class one, a this year, uh, new coach and Roger Holtus replacing the legendary Larry Glatzik and, uh, had a lot of new faces in the backfield, but they've really put together a, a strong season. And then Opie, you know, they just kind of took on anybody and everybody early. They, they played Hayden, which is a three, a team, uh, quarter finalist in the season opener and played them to a 21-7 game uh, after losing what may have been the best senior class ever to go through Opie and certainly two of the best players ever to go through there in Damon Redeker and Derek Colting um, and Ted Scalsey, uh, three three of the greatest players maybe to ever go through there. So Opie kind of reloaded, lost to Hayden, lost to Bishop Ward by three the next week, but Ward also a 3A program, and then uh, have won eight straight since. And so Opie, uh, you know, they're just defensively, as good as it comes and just fundamentally sound and same way for Centralia. So I expect this to be just a, a whale of a contest. I think it's going to be a low scoring, hard fought, nasty, physical, tough game. And I'm planning on being there on Friday night. And then out West, uh, you got some good stories. Uh, you know, Wabunsi coming from, from my area down there, having their best season that they've ever had nine and one this year, they edge past Marion last week, but, uh, and have a big win over Smith Center earlier this year, but they're going to run into a, a pretty formidable foe this week when they take on Conway Springs, Scott. Yeah, it, just looking at that one A bracket, I mean, it's just it just it just reeks with tradition, and Conway Springs is certainly that team. Uh, you know, one of those teams in the West, and uh, you know, like like Olpe and Centralia are in the East, and, and Conway, you know, started the season zero and three, lost to Garden Plain. Uh, lost to Kingman, got shut out in both of those losses, and then took a 25-point loss to Chaparral. And I thought, boy, this is this is definitely not the year for Conway Springs. But they they turned it around, and and they won uh, the last six, and and had a first-round bye in the playoffs. But uh, really, Junior Braden Coons has been kind of the, their guy. He's run for over 1,800 yards, and and uh, you know Conway still runs a single wing, and that they're just going to line up and come at you. And and so that's what Will Bunsey will have to be ready for. But but like you said, Will Bunsey. Uh, held off Smith Center, and there, there's another team that's going to line up and go at you, and, and uh, uh, so that that bodes well, you know, for Wabunsi, I think. But it, but they are playing one of the hottest teams, I think, in one A. 
uh, Conway Springs, uh, uh, you know, included in their current winning streak is a win over Inman, who was number one at the time. And, and they, they rolled up over 300 rushing yards against Inman. So uh, Conway is definitely, you know, the record says seven and three. It's, it's not a team uh, that maybe is playing like a team like, with three losses right now. Uh, and, and so you got Wabunsi at Conway in, in one quarterfinal, and then on the other side, uh, Smith Center and Inman, who were teams who played each other in district play the last two years and, and split. Uh, Inman, Inman beat them pretty handily last year, beat Smith Center pretty handily uh, in route to the, to the 1A final. Uh, but Smith Center is, is the type of team that, that I think is going to pose an interesting challenge for Inman. Uh, just the way that, you know, kind of like Conway Springs did because Smith Center is going to line up and come at Inman. And, and uh, you know, Inman has handled everything except that one test against Conway. And so uh, it's kind of the, the you know, the, the matchups in, on, in the bracket can, can really make a difference. And so I'm kind of interested to see what, how Smith Center's running game uh, will, will perform at Inman. Inman has a lot of, a uh, lot of talent though. Uh, you know, they've kind of, uh, Tanner Heckel, who was hurt earlier this year, is back at quarterback, and and uh, you know they've got good wideouts, good running backs, just a really deep offensive team. And then and then you know they they go out to Oakley and shut them out forty-seven to nothing last week. So Inman's a team that really kind of has righted the ship since that Conway Springs loss, playing well on both sides of the ball. So uh, real two really intriguing uh, quarterfinals here on the western side of one A. You know, moving down to eight-man Division One. Um, all season long, we thought the toughest uh, district in the state was uh, District Two, where you had Burlingame, Chase County, Madison, Linden, uh, Carapervell, and and it certainly has played out that way. Three of the four teams left on the East or came out, are from that district. Um, you know, Linden had the big upset against West Elk uh, to start the playoffs, with up West Elk being undefeated going into that game. They roll past Mound Ridge last week, and that sets up a rematch with Burlingame, whose only loss came to Linden in the last week of the regular season. Linden scores two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter, including the game winner and game winning two point conversion with nine seconds left to beat Burlingame 60 to 59. So we'll get the rematch in that one with uh, Burlingame cruising past Wichita Independent last week, 62 to 14. And then the, the other team that came out of that district was Chase County. And last week, Chase County knocks off undefeated South Sumner. And Scott saw that game. Uh, Mitch Budkey just goes off as Mitch Budkey does. That's what Mitch Budkey does uh, every game, it seems like. 250-plus uh, yards on the ground, five TDs. And they, they win that one 56-38. And now they'll play a Little River team, which was state runner-up last year, state champions two years ago, opened this season with a loss to – Division two, two undefeated Canton Galva, but has come back with nine straight wins, and they beat the other team that came out of that District Two, Madison. They run past them, sixty to fourteen. So, uh, Chase County Little River should be a great one. They've played here recently, and Little River's had the upper hand. Um, it'll be you know Mitch Budkey and and see what he can do against Little River with Braxton Lafferty and and some of their horses that they got, and that should be a great game. That one will be in Chase County. Uh, Burlingame Linden will be at Linden. And then on the west side of the state, uh, Ricky's having some technical issues, so I'll, I'll kind of touch on them. Uh, defending champion Mead, boy, they, they pulled one out last week. They they got a big-time scare from Quinter, which had knocked off Clifton Clyde to start the playoffs. Mead comes back in the fourth quarter late, gets a touchdown, and pulls out a 30-28 to win to keep its uh, bid for a second straight title alive. And they'll face Hill City, who spent a lot of the season ranked number one before they lost to Hoxie midway through the season. But Hill City uh, 
wins 58 to 12 last week against Joaquino, Joaquin Trigo. So Hill City versus Mead should be a great, uh, a great showdown. That'll be six o'clock in Mead. And then the other game on the, on the West side, uh, Leote, which is the current number one, Wichita County, they're 10 and 0. Uh, Eric Hermosillo having a great season. Um, they've got the, one of the highest scoring, if not the highest scoring team in, in uh, eight man football division one. And, uh, you know, they're 10 and 0 and, and put it to Hoxie last week. I thought that might be a pretty decent game. And Leote, Wichita County just comes out and dominates 64 to 20. And they'll take on Atwood Rollins County, which upset undefeated Maxville. I guess it's an upset when you win 46 to nothing. It can't be that big of an upset. Uh, so Atwood, you know, quality losses throughout the regular season. I think they lost to Hill City and they lost to Hoxie during the regular season. So uh, Atwood, um, you know, they're going to be they're going to be a tough out for Leote. So uh, I think that should be a, a pretty good matchup. And that's that how it looks in West uh, Division One. Turning our attention to Division Two. Um, you know, the collision course that we've seen all year, and, and it's a shame that it won't be played for the state finals if it materializes, is Axtell and Canton-Galva. You know, two just great programs here. Axtell, the defending uh, Division II state champion. Canton-Galva dropping down from Division One, where they won the state title a couple of years ago. And uh, But first, they're going to have to get past their opponents on Friday, and that won't be easy. Canton-Galva undefeated at 10-0, spanked Hanover last week 62-8. This week they get a Lebo team that's won eight straight after an 0-2 start. They made a change in their quarterback, went to Drew Conradi, and the offense has just kind of clicked. And they avenged a uh, loss from a couple years ago in the playoffs to uh, Frankfurt, beating Frankfurt 46 to nothing. And so Lebo's going to try to continue going, but Canton Galva is just going to be a tough beast to get out. Uh, Jet Vincent, the transfer from Wheatland Grinnell, you know, he opened the year with a 10-touchdown game when starting quarterback Garrett Maltby was out, and that led them to the win against Little River. And Maltby is now back and has done Garrett Maltby-type things, having a another outstanding season. And Vincent, you know, he's the state's all-time leading record holder for interceptions in any classification and and uh, just a tremendous defensive player. Uh, Case and Mastery, a wide receiver. So Canton Galva just looks really tough, and uh, it's going to take Lebo's best effort and maybe then some to, uh, to knock them off. And then looking at Axtell, just efficient is is what you can say. I mean, I think they ran 17 plays last week and, and won 50 to nothing. Uh, they just they just score. I mean, then they, they're the complete package, as Cliff and Clyde coach uh, Russ Steinbrock told me that this year. They can, they can do everything. They can run. They can pass. They can defend. Um, they've been absolutely dominant all year. Haven't scored. I think they've scored less than 51 time this year. If, if that, um, just been absolutely outstanding on their way to, uh, trying to get another state title. They've now won 23 straight games, uh, which is ranked second only to, uh, to Andale on, on the state's winning streak this year. They'll face a traditional power, Osborne. Osborne's a team that's won three state titles under, under Steve Turnin and beat Axtell in the championship game two years ago. Um, Ox. Osborne uh, beats Colony Crest last week, 34 to 18. Uh, their only loss was to Hill City earlier in the year, but Osborne's going to be a tough out. And uh, looks like we have Ricky back. And Ricky, we're in eight-man division two. If you want to talk a little bit about some of those uh, great matchups out west. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll start with uh, Victoria Thunder Ridge. I think that I'm going to be there this Friday, and I think that's just going to be a heck of a game. Obviously, Doug Oberly has done a tremendous job at Victoria over the years, and uh, Thunder Ridge, you know, has had a really strong three or four years under Joel Struckoff. Uh, I could honestly see that game going either way. 
So, uh, you know, really, really excited for that one. And then, uh, you know, on the other side out West, uh, you know, Dighton, I think Dighton has has looked really, really strong this year. Uh, You know, about midway through the year, they made a quarterback change, which is kind of surprising to some people just because Max Neely has been a pretty solid, a really solid quarterback. But they thought, you know, they might be better off at moving him to running back. And they had another kid named uh, Carson Scheimer, who's uh, a big kid and got a strong arm. And that that move has really paid dividends. Uh, you know, I saw them against Mineola earlier, late in the regular season for our Acacia cover game of the week, and they and they just dominated that game against a previously unbeaten Mineola team. So, um, you know, they'll they'll be taking on uh, Sharon Springs, Wallace County, who picked up a 56-8 win over a good Buckland team that had just upset uh, undefeated Stafford the week before. So, uh, you know, I'm really, really intrigued by those those matchups out West and uh, like you like Brent, like you mentioned, Osborne, uh, you know, I know they run into a tough task, task against Axtell, but they've had a really impressive year under Steve Tiernan, um, too. So, yeah. And then, uh, also this year for the first time, uh, we'll have the six player state championship. Uh, you know, they, they've, held their own state title in the Wild West Bowl uh, out in Dodge City the past few years. Uh, but this year, with enough teams to uh, be sanctioned by the Keisha, uh, we'll crown a six-player champion for the first time. And so uh, Natoma was last year's state champion. They got knocked out in a big way by number one Cunningham last week, 65 to nothing. And, and Cunningham, boy, they just – they just look uh, impressive. I was I was looking up their stats, and the, the stats don't jump out at you until you look at they, – they've only had 93 carries all year, and they're 10-0. I mean, 93 total carries as a team. I mean, some guys get that uh, – some teams get that close to a game uh, sometimes, it seems like, but uh, they're very efficient in what they do. They spread the wealth. Nobody's stats are going to jump out at you, but the numbers just jump off the page at you. They've dominated everybody they've played except for their – Week one win over Ashland, which is ranked number two. Um, this week, Cunningham gets Wetmore, a team that has made the move from eight player to six player this year. And as we talk about with several of these programs, it's been nothing but great for Wetmore. They're having the best season they've ever had in school history. Uh, that last week they shut down a high powered Burton offense, held them to seven points, won that one 63 to seven. Dirk Hanselsek has had a big year rushing the ball. And uh, Wetmore, like I said, just had a great year in its, in its move to, uh, to six-player football, so they'll uh, they'll see what they have for Cunningham. It's a big challenge for them, but uh, you know Wetmore's had a nice season. And then also on the east side of the bracket, you got Waverly, which is undefeated. You know they've been a traditional playoff team in in uh, eight-player Division Two, uh, won state titles uh, not too long ago under Mike Hevel, both in Division One and Division Two. But numbers crunch. Were, was starting to hit, so they moved down, and and they're ten and zero this year. Beat Pawnee Heights fifty two to eighteen last week, and they'll take on another team moving down. Tescott, also having one of its best seasons it's had in in over a decade. They're nine and one, and they beat Peabody Burns forty to twelve last week. So you got ten and zero Waverly against nine and one Tescott, ten and zero Cunningham against eight and two Wetmore, and then on the bottom end of the bracket, uh, just per, four pretty solid teams left down there, uh, all all with at least seven wins or more. Yeah, I mean Ashland. I, I think you know they had a really good year last year at six player, and uh, they've been benefited by the return of a really key player. Uh, Kale Harris was out last year with it with an ACL injury, and he's re- he's really helped them. And then Northern Valley, 
you know, that ever since they made the move to six player, they've kind of just made a, a good jump each year. I believe this is their third year. Uh, you know, they had a couple losses early in the season. Uh, you know, I know they've had some injury trouble, but, uh, you know, they're a team that I think could really get hot at the end of the year and, and really make some damage. So, uh, I think that'll be a pretty good game between them and Ashland. And then, uh, you know, Shailen, uh, you know, they're just a, just a really strong program there under Chris Walden. Uh, they were the champ- champions in 2020, uh, really good player in Logan McCarty, uh, against a, an Ingles team that has just been pretty pretty solid, maybe flying under the radar a little bit at seven and two. So um, you know, yeah, two two good matchups there on the West half too. Yeah, flying under the radar as much as a team that could, that scored a hundred points can fly under the radar, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, which they yeah. which they did against Deerfield a couple of weeks ago. But uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we'll, it'll be nice to crown uh, six player state champions this year, and uh, and so good luck to all the teams uh, moving forward in the playoffs. And it should be some pretty great games coming up this weekend and the weeks to come. And with our next podcast, we'll be previewing the uh, state championship football games and uh, touching a little bit on the the, what happened with the Unified Bowling State state tournament, uh, which takes place Monday. And so that winds down uh, this episode of the Keisha Covered podcast. We had a lot to cover today. Um, and, uh, but there was a lot of good stuff that's gone on and will continue to go on. I was a little remiss. I didn't uh, mention that our intro song was from Jacob Mann at Lewisburg. Uh, he was featured as our cat fed true blue student of the week, which is something that we do every single week, highlighting students, uh, in communities across the state that are doing great things at their high schools, great things at their community. Our partner capital federal, um, our, uh, really is, a uh, big into community actions and, and community uh, support and service. And, and uh, so we, we thank them for their support as well. And uh, featuring those kids has been, you know, a real joy for us. And Jacob Mann was one of the great ones that, uh, that we got to feature earlier this year. And so if you want to check out his song, Take a Breath, uh, you can check it out on Apple Music and Spotify. But I was remiss in uh, not mentioning that um, as we came into the show, but uh, make sure got him uh, coming out. And so we look forward to uh, bringing you the information next week. Uh, on behalf of my colleagues, uh, thanks for tuning in.